You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. This morning, we begin our slow and steady journey to Bethlehem. Our Advent journey is a time of preparation as we remember afresh the true gift of Jesus Christ to the world. We remember the rich blessings that his birth brought to the world as we look forward to his second advent, when he shall return in glory and forever banish evil and hate into the outer darkness. As we make our journey this year, we do so following the familiar Advent road signs that we have all grown accustomed to in our Advent celebrations. Road signs of hope, peace, love, and joy. The road signs this year, though, will take us to places that we here in Western Christendom rarely, if ever, trod. For we will journey to see how our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world relate to and worship our risen Lord and our coming King. Why do we take this journey then? Well, I believe the benefits are numerous. First, it will help us to expand our understanding of Jesus in the same manner in which the four Gospels each give us a different perspective on Jesus. You walk through the four Gospels and you see Jesus uh, given to us in different ways. In Mark, he is the suffering servant. In Matthew, he is the fulfillment of all scripture. In Luke, he is the savior of the entire world. And then there in John, we have that beautiful gospel of love. Every gospel writer gives us a different perspective on Jesus and helps us to understand him better. So too, looking how the rest of the world celebrates Jesus helps us to gather and grow in our understanding of him. It will also help us to hear better how the spirit moves in our world. And thanks to our being exposed to how our brothers and sisters engage in their discipleship, expose in us some of the preconceived notions we have about how the rest of the world sees Jesus. Did you know that a hundred years ago, 80% of the world's Christians were Caucasian? And 70% of the world's Christians lived in Europe alone. Today, more Christians worshiped in China than did and will in all of Europe. There are more Anglicans in the nation of Kenya than there are in the United States and Canada combined. We serve a global Lord and truly his church more than ever before is a global church. It is helpful for us to remember this as 10% of Alamance County is foreign born. 
And so when we see how Jesus is worshipped and experienced and reflected in other parts of the world, we know best how to speak about Jesus to our neighbors who may look nothing like us. And so as we attempt to truly be the front door of heaven here at Grove Park through a multicultural and a multi-generational family of faith, we see how and experience the rest of the world. So... With all that in mind, let us make our first stop on our global tour this morning. By visiting our neighbors to the south, our neighbors in Latin America. Unique amongst all of the places that we will travel this Advent season is Central and South America, for they have had the longest tradition of Christianity of any of the cultures that we will look at. For the last 400 plus years, since the colonization of the Spanish and the Portuguese of Latin, and of Latin America, Christianity has been the majority religion. But there's been a problem with that. The colonizers were more concerned when they colonized Central and South America with gold and personal glory than with God And so they forced Christianity on the indigenous peoples there and used them as forced laborers. Unfortunately, this has begat hundreds of years where the church has taken the role of justifiers of oppression rather than a force of freedom. It was an attempt to restore the gospel to its legitimate and rightful place that Latin American theologians over the last 60 to 70 years have developed an image of Jesus as liberator. Now understand something. By doing this, they were not trying to create some theological novelty. Jesus' name in Hebrew means God saves. And isn't that what liberation is? Isn't liberation saving us from something? And so when we look at this image of Jesus as liberator, what is it that we see? Well, much like our text this morning, we see an image formed by a search for salvation. Look with me at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Beloved, let's be clear about something this morning. If Jesus Christ has not liberated you from your sins, he can liberate you from everything else. You can be liberated from everything else, and it won't matter a hill of beans. It won't matter if you have been liberated from whatever is oppressing you, political oppression, social oppression, economic oppression, educational oppression, whatever oppression it is. It will not matter if you have not been liberated from the sin in your life. Because all those other things may kill your body, but sin will kill your soul. And if we are not liberated from sin, what use is it to be free in all these other things? Jesus put it like this, watch out profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul. Beloved, to understand Jesus Christ is liberator means that we first understand that he has come to save us, to liberate us. And so that face shows us 
that we can be free. How? Look with me at verses 26 through 29. He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and, with your, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I don't know about you, but to me, Jesus spelled it out pretty clearly here. How do you find salvation? You love the Lord your God with all you have. In other words, you give your whole life over to him. And you love your neighbor as yourself. I, I really can't figure out how to cut that any other way. Can't make it any more clear. But unfortunately, this lawyer decides that he needs an escape clause. He needs a, he needs a, he needs a get out clause. And so he says, well, who is my neighbor? Just exactly who is my neighbor? His response, beloved, points to something far deeper. His response points to using religion not as something that frees, but as something that confines. If your faith does not embolden you to live a life that is for others and lived out loud and live boldly for other people, and you're just trying to figure out what is the exact thing that you have to do so that you can just do that and no more, you have missed grace. You have missed it entirely. Because grace flows free. Grace flows out from God into, into all portions of our life. And so we are not confined and, and strictured with, well, this person is not my neighbor or that person is not my neighbor. I can do this, but not that. Beloved, if you do that, you don't have faith. You just have religion. And religion won't sat will not justify you. Jesus comes to liberate us from sin. He becomes our justifier, not us. See what Romans 3 says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Nothing you and I do, beloved, makes us just before God. Nothing. What this uh, person who has comes to Jesus is, he's trying to figure out exactly what he has to do. What does he have to check off to be found right before God? For so many in the world, particularly in Latin America, religion is a thing of works. I dare say that for many sitting here today, you think you've got to do just the right thing. You've got to cross off 
the list and say that you have done this. But beloved, Jesus came to liberate us from sin. And he came to liberate us from the sinful notion that we have to do anything to earn our freedom other than trust in him. Salvation is a free gift through faith in what Jesus has done. And God loves you way too much. God loves you way too much to leave you in the hopeless predicament of trying to figure out if you have appeased him by doing this, 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 and this. Are you free today? Are you free? Are you still trying to figure out a way to appease God? She wasn't God, but in our family, she came pretty close, and that was my grandmother. And I would try, particularly this time of year, to do everything in my power to make her happy. Everything. Even if it killed me, I'd make her happy. I loved her. Don't hear me wrong. I loved her. Still do. But all I wanted to do was make her happy. So I was always searching for what would make her happy. I was always going outside of, of, of what I wanted to do or maybe felt like I had to do just to keep her happy. Is that freeing? No. It was encumbersome. Beloved, do you want to make God happy today? Then stop trying to cross off the list of the things that you think will make him happy. And just give him your life. Give him your life. And live your life showing his grace to so many other people who need to find that grace. Well, who do I know how to go find it at, to show it to? Well, let me show you the easiest answer that I can give you. Our Latin American brothers and sisters tell us that we can find Jesus in the hope that is lived out in the others. And who are the others? They're the ones you and I overlook. They're the ones you and I forget. They're people like this traveler we encountered this morning on the Jericho Road. Look with me at verses 30 through 36. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Beloved, we find Jesus in others 
when we understand that we have nothing to lose, but we have everything to gain when we worship him. The Levite and the priest, as they passed by and they saw this man here on the side of the road who was beaten up and bloodied, I don't even know if he was conscious. I'm going for the sake of argument this morning say that he was conscious. Can you imagine what he felt when he saw good, godly, religious people go on by? They may have had something they needed to do And they say, well, I'm sorry, I I can't stop to help you. I'm on the way to church. I'm I'm sorry, I, I, I can't help you in your predicament. I'm on the way to prayer meeting. We're praying for the lost of our community and I gotta be there tonight. Maybe, maybe the Levite or the priest said, well, well I, I've just, you know, we've got this outreach going on and, and I've got to go help out. Maybe, maybe they said, oh, I got to go teach Sunday school. I don't know what they said. But I know what they really said here, if you look at it, is I don't know about this guy He just fell among robbers, and if I stop, this may be a trick. They may be coming to get me. And I'm worried, not about my fellow man, but about me. So I I, I can't stop. But the Samaritan, the Samaritan, the one whom... Nobody really paid much attention to because they were Samaritans. And and Samaritans, Jews thought, were going to go to hell anyway. So why am I going to worry about them? They could have thought, well, maybe he deserved it. Ah. (laughs) But the Samaritan, who didn't have anything to lose, Didn't care what others thought about him. Didn't care about the scorn that somebody might say something about him. Who was only really worried about one thing. And that was doing the right thing. He took care of him. He took care of him. Yesterday was World AIDS Day. I always tried to wear the red AIDS pin as close to World AIDS Day as I can. Because AIDS is a disease which is still running rampant in our world today. It's one of the leading causes of orphans in Africa, in fact. I'm reminded, though, this morning of what Philip Yancey said in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, he asked this question. He says, how would modern America be different if at the height of the AIDS crisis in the 1980s, when AIDS was killing so many members of the LGBT community, If instead of just looking at them and saying, you're going to hell. 
if Christians sat in AIDS wards and held the hands of dying gay men and told them Jesus loved them? How would the world be different? Beloved, the Samaritan would have been there holding a hand. We so often think, well, maybe they think that we're condoning what they do, so I can't help out to them. Maybe what will other people think if I reach out to them? Beloved, I don't really care what the rest of the world thinks. Neither should you. What does God think? How can Jesus liberate you today from being worried about what everybody else thinks? And instead be worried about what he thinks? Is this dangerous? Oh, you betcha. You betcha. Jim Elliott said it like this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott said that just before he was murdered by the Alka Indians as he tried to bring the gospel to them. But beloved, understand something. When we go and live a life for others, they are free and we are free. Are you willing today to forsake all and love the unloved and the forgotten? Jesus in verse 36 says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the thieves, the robbers? And the, the lawyer responded back, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. You see, Jesus teaches us today. When we see him as liberator, Jesus teaches us today that we are, it is, it is our task in this world to be an embodiment of hope to all like this traveler who have fallen amongst thieves. Thieves who have robbed them of their dignity. Thieves that have robbed them of their humanity. Thieves that have robbed them of their peace. Thieves that have robbed them of their joy. Thieves that have robbed them of knowing what it's like to feel love. Thieves who take hope. Let us remember the words that Jesus told us. When he said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life. And have it abundantly. And know that if Jesus came for us to have abundant life. It is our task if we are to follow in his steps. And be like him to this world. That we are to be life givers. We are to go out and to liberate people from where they are. And help them find hope. Whether that is liberating them from sin by sharing the gospel with them or we go out and we speak to them and their causes. We speak when they are not being educated. We speak when they do not have the rights that they need. We help them out and we free them as Jesus has freed us from the things that keep us in jail. We free them from the dungeons of despair, the chains of hopelessness, from the fetters of sin.
which have rendered a death sentence upon their souls. We break their chains because Jesus broke ours. Beloved, are you here this morning? Chained up. Are you chained by sin, first off? Have, have you ever known Jesus to come and, and into your life and give you hope by freeing you from the chains of sin? Are you here this morning, though, and you're encumbered, you're, you're fettered by something else? Are you bound in the bondage of hopelessness because you don't think that you'll ever be free from a particular sin. You don't think that you'll ever be free from a particular condition. And here's the next question. Are you living a life this morning that is causing someone else to be in bondage? How do I cause someone else to be in bondage? I didn't slap any chains on them. Beloved, hear me. When we don't go and speak liberation to others, we are keeping them in their chains. Plain and simple. One of the songs that is very popular in contemporary Christian music today is Chain Breaker. We serve a chain breaker today. Our task is to go and be chain breakers for everyone that we come in contact with. The question is, have you received freedom today and are you the embodiment of freedom by being a liberator as Jesus Christ is? To all whom you come in contact with. Let us be free today. And experience afresh. The hope of Advent. Let us pray. Lord help us to be free. I dare say there's not one of us here today who is not bound in a chain of something. Maybe it's just it's something as simple as bound in a worry about what other people will think about us. Lord, we shouldn't be concerned about anything but what you think about us. And you want us to be free. So Lord, free us. Give us hope. Be, as Wesley said, the bright light that shines in our dungeon and says, come forth and enjoy the bounteous blessings of life abundant. Speak to your people now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.